welcome back. I'm Katie and you're listening to Dumpster Rebel where I talk about everything you ever wanted to know or maybe you didn't want to know about the garbage epidemic and things you can do to help. So I actually tried recording this last night um, and I thought it went pretty okay for the most part. I had, I was up late editing it and like okay this is gonna be good um i looked at it this morning and there was like this huge chunk missing i don't know if i accidentally deleted something um but it went from one topic to another and it it didn't make any sense um so here we are again trying a second time which maybe is a good thing maybe it'll go better this time i'm hoping so um, so just a couple, a couple things I wanted to share. Um, I have a Peloton and if, if anybody else does, you know that sometimes the teachers on there, they'll say something inspirational, um, to get to motivate you, um, inspire you to, you know, push harder on the bike or whatever exercise you're doing, which is pretty cool. Um, sometimes it's kind of like whatever, sometimes it really, it really speaks to me, and this one did, so I really wanted to share it. I want someone else to feel inspired. Um, so basically, instead of having to-do lists only, we should start making stop-doing lists also. So instead of just, like, making a list of what you need to do today or what you need to do this week, make a list of things that you shouldn't do, like... Uh, like, if you're like me, I'm kind of always concerned about what people think. I'm a little nervous about how this podcast sounds right now. I don't, I'm trying not to worry so much about it. But, you know, put things on there like stop being a people pleaser. Um, stop doing things that don't serve you. Um, it's just important, like, for your mental health, it's a... Mental health is a super, super important. We should all be a little bit more aware of what affects us. Um, so I thought that was a really great idea to kind of brainstorm those things. I also, I, she also said, work towards being able to say yes without fear and to say no without guilt. Um, I think you can also say it backwards say yes without guilt and no without fear. It works both ways, depending on the situation. Um, I wrote this down on a sticky note and put it on my desk just so to kind of help me remember, like, you know, I'm, I get freaked out about this podcast and I don't know if it's good. I don't know if anybody's going to listen to it. You know, I look at that and it's like, I don't want to not do something just because I'm nervous about what someone else thinks. Like, I want to be successful. I want to do awesome stuff. Um, and there's really no reason to worry so much about other people's thoughts. Like, it, who cares? If they don't like it, they don't like it. You have no control over that. So I'm kind of just trying to embody that right now. Um, and I've been feeling pretty positive lately, which is awesome. So if you were listening last time, it's fine if you weren't, <laughs> um, I was talking about plastic water bottles um, and, you know, single-use plastics and it's no good. Um, so there's some ways you can participate in activism about these things to try to make it better, try to, like, eliminate or reduce at least the amount of plastics that are being used single-use style. 
Um, so I was talking about potentially emailing or sending messages or calling or whatever, um, bottled water companies, especially ones that you like and you want to use, you know, you, you don't want to never buy it again or whatever. You just like it for whatever reason. I did it. I emailed smart water, um, which is actually owned by Coca-Cola. <laughs> I asked them about their plans for sustainability and using more recycled materials. Um, and they, you know, it said, I will get a message back within 48 hours. I was like, okay, we'll see. Um, I don't know if big companies, I don't know if they really listen, but I think it's really worth a try. It adds up. Um, and the very little teeniest bit I know about marketing would, would in theory dictate that if enough people wanted something, they would at least consider making a change. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the goal here. So they actually did send a response back. Um, it's, and let me read it to you. It says, dear Katie, thank you for contacting Coca-Cola. In 2018, we announced our World Without Waste vision to help make the world's packaging problem a thing of the past. Part of our sustainability plan is to help collect and recycle a bottle or can for everyone we sell globally by 2030. Every package should have more than one life, so we're addressing the entire packaging life cycle, from how bottles and cans are designed and manufactured to how they are recycled and repurposed. While food and beverage packaging is an important part of our modern lives, the world has a packaging problem that we have a responsibility to help solve. As part of that solution, we're investing in packaging innovations. We are striving to collect a bottle or can for everyone that we sell. We are look, working together with partners to address waste challenges to be part of the solution. We intend to back the vision with a multi-year investment that includes ongoing work to make all our packaging 100% recyclable by the year 2025. We intend to include 50% recycled content across all our primary packaging globally by 2030. We are launching Dasani and Smartwater that are made from 100% recycled plastic content rolling out 2021. To learn more about our sustainability efforts, you may wish to visit us at, and then it gives you the website, which you can just Google sustainability Coca-Cola company. And then should you have any additional questions or comments, please feel free to contact us again. Sincerely, Laura, Customer Interaction Center, the Coca-Cola company. So that's cool. I mean, I don't know. It was a little vague, but it sounds like they're at least, you know, they're aware and they're trying to address it. So at the very least, you might be able to get some information and learn something new if you were to attempt to reach out to a company, which, you know, that's definitely not a bad thing. So as I've said before, I've been doing this recycling research for a while now. Um, I stumbled across a website called TerraCycle. They've come up a lot in these kind of searches and I think what they're doing is pretty cool. So I wanted to talk about them a little bit. Um, their, their main, their homepage says recycle everything with TerraCycle. It has a search bar at the top um, for waste type and location. So you can put in like whatever the hell you feel like, type it in and see if there's somewhere 
that you can recycle that thing. Um, which is great because I know we probably most people have the recycling bin and you take it out to the street and a lot of the stuff in there doesn't actually go get recycled. It, a lot of it just is garbage and so um, with TerraCycle, some of those things you can actually make sure they get recycled and reused. So a message on the main page I wanted to read says, what is TerraCycle? TerraCycle is a social enterprise eliminating the idea of waste. In 21 countries, we tackle the issue from many angles. We have found that nearly everything we touch can be recycled and collected typically and collect typically non-recyclable items through national first of their kind recycling platforms. Leading companies work with us to take hard to recycle materials from our programs such as ocean plastic and turn them into new products. Our new Loop platform aims, aims to change the way the world shops with favorite brands and refillable packaging offered with convenience and style. With your help, we've diverted millions of pounds of valuable resources from landfills all over the world, and we're just getting started. So that's great. Um, and here are some actual deliverables. Um, they've got three convenient numbers that breaks down their global impact. So 202,831,611 people are recycling. 7,762,174,415, I think pounds, it just says waste recycled, that's what their website says, um, but I'm going to guess that it's pounds. And then $44,806,327 raised for charity through their programs which I'm gonna explain of the charity aspect of it. I'm not gonna tell you every single little thing because I'm not trying to make a really long infomercial. Um, I'm just giving a little bit of kind of the highlights and some simple info um, ways that you can make an impact. So you can start your own recycling program through them. Um, they have receptacles you can buy or you can use your own kind of you know whatever container you might have and then you would put it in a public place like a business or you know if you have a business if you're a student maybe you can talk to your school or college or you know a local public place like a library or parks and rec office or you know be creative think of something that a lot of people go um, and you can have a you can potentially have a collection site for for stuff um, and I'm I'm gonna guess that most places wouldn't be too that most places wouldn't be against this like especially if you were to keep up on it and really make sure it doesn't overflow send it regularly all that kind of stuff um, when I was in college I was in student government so I what I would have done is use student government as an avenue to achieve this sort of recycling collection program and maybe have it in the student union or cafeteria something like that where a lot of people go um 
if you're a student government nerd like me, you know, I would have maybe used it as part of my campaign platform. Just saying. So I did some searches in my area just to see like what what kind of collections are around here. Like I noticed some people have added their personal address as a collection spot. I don't think that I would do that, but it's an option if you want to. Um, I'd probably go talk to one of the more local public areas and see about getting it there instead. The only bummer though is that most of the items have to be super separate. You kind of have to pick one type of thing and collect only that thing. For example, if you scroll through it shows different things like Burt's Bees products so you can only put those in you know you can only collect specifically Burt's Bees brands. Um, Taco Bell hot sauce packets which I thought was kind of funny and also like when you think about it, that is a lot of little stupid garbage for weird tasting sauce. But, you know, uh, Gillette razors, Bic pins, Brita water filters, Carter's baby clothing, EOS chapstick, Koger brands, Kroger brands, ocean spray, Takis, cigarettes, and so many. Like, it, I couldn't even get through the list. There are so many things. Um, so when you do sign up, if you decide to do this, basically what happens, you, once your box of collected items weighs at least 10 pounds, you send it into them. You get 100 points per every pound of would-be trash. So then one cent is earned for every point. So you get a dollar per 100 points um, and then that dollar you know that adds up over time the more you do this you get to choose a nonprofit or a school that the money goes to so if you have a favorite cause or a favorite organization or something that you would really like to figure out like a creative way to to raise more money for this would be a pretty easy way to do it um, and you'd be doing two things you'd be rerouting a few at least some stuff out of the landfill which is good i mean i really truly believe every little bit counts and then you're also raising money for a cause that you care about it's kind of a genius system um and then the last part of terra cycle i wanted to talk about is loop 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 came out of TerraCycle. It's, you know, it's under the TerraCycle family or whatever, but it's kind of its own thing now. Um, they, what happens with Loop is certain brands use, you know, a specific type of more sustainable, reusable packaging that you can get refilled rather than buying a new one every single time. Um, like, like I have this really nice face lotion and I'm almost out of it. And it came in like, it came in a really nice glass jar. So I don't want to get rid of that jar. Like it's a nice jar. I don't know. It seems silly for it to be a one use item. So I'm going to figure out like, Hey, is this something I can use to refill and get more face lotion or, you know, just something to think about. So loop says, the Loop website says, Loop collaborates with brands and manufacturers to enable refillable, ver refillable versions of their conventional single-use products. 
and partners with leading retailers to embed these offerings into their online e-commerce and physical retail stores. We're working with category-leading brands, retailers, restaurants, and more to activate a circular reuse ecosystem offering thousands of products. From your cup of coffee to your shampoo bottle, with an aim to make reuse as convenient and accessible as single use. So Ulta is a great example and probably something that a lot of people are really familiar with. Ulta, the you know, makeup beauty store. So Loop and Ulta are teaming up to give you access to beauty and personal care products from leading brands in durable, returnable packaging. Get the products you love delivered in zero waste packaging that is cleaned and refilled to be reused again and again. Loop Ulta Beauty is now available nationally across the 48 contiguous states with new products launching regularly on the platform. So I'm going to definitely have to go to Ulta and look. I'm going to look around for the signs, see, you know, what they have that partners with Loop, see if there's anything that I would use or that I already use that I don't know about. So I also wanted to start talking about sustainability stuff in the news um, and kind of try to look at some current events, things that are going on or new businesses that I think are worth highlighting or, you know, things like that. Um, so my friend, coincidentally, there's a lot of coincidences in this podcast I'm noticing, um, my friend sent me a post on Instagram about a company called Bifusion and their use of garbage to make building blocks. So they, they're pretty new. Um, I googled it and watched some videos and stuff. All the news articles about this are only like a week old. Um, it's huge, so they pretty much just got up and running. Um, they're a company from California. They basically take trash and compact it down into a solid little building block that kind of looks like a colorful Lego. Um, they also, they make things like they've got benches you can order, they've got end tables, they've got vases, all kinds of stuff. And actually, apparently Boise, Idaho is already installing some of the benches in some of their local city parks, which so... Go Boise, Idaho. That is so cool. I wish, I really hope this takes off and more and more cities do this um, instead of using brand new materials to make benches. Like, let's reuse what we already got. And with those vases, they're really cute. They're like little square vases. If you have friends or family members that love flowers, you can get them a, mesa, a vase made out of garbage. Probably what everyone I know is going to get for Christmas this year. Just saying. So why is any of this important? So this is kind of the big takeaway. Um, humans have been on Earth for approximately 300,000 years. The average lifespan of a human in the United States is 78 years old, which I know that's a lot longer than it used to be. Um, but let's just... Just for example's sake, let's say that that's always been approximately the average lifespan. Um, that would be about 4,000 lifetimes. So, 
we're here, we've been on earth for like up to 4,000 lifetimes, which seems like a lot. Like, I don't know that many people who know their family history back even 100 or 200 years. And then to try to look at it for four, 300,000 years is just kind of, it would be a lot. It feels like a lot, but honestly, it's 0.007% of the Earth's entire history. And the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. At least, you know, probably. Um, so, the fact that we're into consumerism is kind of what is killing, it's killing the environment. Um, there's a lot of different things that have gone on over the years that are pretty much just done in the name of money, capitalism, you know. Um, so basically with that, we are using natural resources and stuff to just make new things that we then throw away. Uh, back in the day, appliances and cars and stuff were made much more high quality, like they didn't fall apart as quickly like we had a fridge that broke last year like it, it just broke supposedly it was a bad year for fridges um i don't know but either way it was only like five years old i know people who have fridges from the 50s that are working just fine i know not all of them that's not true for every single super old fridge but still the fact that that's a possibility is is kind of telling so you can still follow fashion trends. You can still, you know, be really into that kind of stuff. We all do it. Um, some of us more than others, I'm sure. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, but you can kind of follow those fashion trends and do all that kind of stuff in a much more conscious way. I know it's not always possible to buy ethically responsible clothes. And by that, I mean clothes that are made in a factory where people are paid fairly and treated fairly and also with renewable fibers. Like it can be expensive, I get it. You can, you know, you can afford what you can afford. I'm not, I'm really not here to be knocking anybody's habits per se, but just, just know that a lot of these brands that are not fast fashion, um, they'll last longer. They're higher quality, stuff will last longer. Um, and then just, there are a lot of them have programs where you can recycle your old stuff. You can take like your old underwear, your old socks, send them in and get discounts. That's, that's a pretty cool, I do that and it's great. So, you know, it makes your, the price of the, higher quality stuff, just a little bit lower. And then, I don't know, I feel good about it. There's lots of things we do that we don't think are that bad um, or that we just don't think about at all. You know, like plastic straws, we don't really need them. Like I know a lot of people freaked out about plastic straw bans, but politicizing a straw is just a little nuts to me. Um, like getting a drink from Starbucks, I mean, even though it's a plastic cup and that's gross, but like 
Eliminating the straw eliminates a lot of unnecessary plastic, so it's a good start. And I mean, honestly, you can live without a straw. You can get a silicone straw and wash it, and there you go. Problem solved. Just saying, it's possible. So I recently went on kind of a roller coaster ride of information when I was trying to figure out how on the world, how in the world. When I send in this box of my old socks and shirts and whatever to be recycled, like, what do they do with it? How does this work? Um, so I, I really went down kind of a rabbit hole here. I contacted a company called Syntex. They're in New York. They buy textile waste for pretty much pennies on the dollar, render it down into fluff-looking stuff, and then it gets spun kind of like wool but you know, in a big machine into either yarn or thread, and then it gets made into new clothing products. It's a pretty cool idea. Um, they, you know, they take all types of different fabrics. So I contacted them. Um, and before I contacted them, I just started thinking about environmentally responsible projects or potential business ideas. Um, so, and I was reading a lot about textile recycling businesses. The internet made me think that this would be a super lucrative business. I could really get this going quickly. If I bought the machinery, I could especially do well with this. I don't, I don't know. It's, and then I was thinking, what if I, what if instead of doing all of it, what if I was the middleman? What if I set up like some sort of collection system? Um, maybe have people in my area pay me a couple bucks to come around and pick up a big bag of their otherwise garbage, like clothing, sheets, towels, socks, whatever, that kind of stuff. And then they don't have to do anything with it, but it's out of their hands. Um, or you might be familiar, some chain stores, they will, when some, when a lot of their clothing doesn't sell because it's out of season or they've had it on clearance for too long and, you know, it's just time for it to go, they will take it, put ink or just somehow destroy all of it and then put it in the dumpster and lock the dumpster. It's like a gross capitalism thing and... I don't think, I don't think it's a great thing to do. It's definitely very, very wasteful, very, very obviously money hungry. Um, so I was like, what if I bought all that kind of crap from those stores for just, you know, as little as they will go, send it in to get recycled and, you know, just like be a middleman collection point. So I emailed with a few questions to Syntex and then eventually ended up talking to them on the phone, um, which, you know, was pretty insightful. But unfortunately, I learned that unless I had the space and the time to collect thousands of pounds of, of clothing and textiles, fabrics every month, it wouldn't really be worth it. So for a 1,000 pound pallet, they pay about $30. I mean, a little more if it's like some real high quality stuff, but 
pretty much it's about $30 for a thousand pound palette, which isn't a lot. So it's a great thought. It would just kind of be a passion project, which in a perfect world, that's super cool. That's great. But I don't really have the time or space currently, so I'm going to scratch that plan. He suggested to me selling things on eBay because I'd make more money that way on my old clothes, but I don't know. I mean, I already have an eBay store and a Poshmark store. I'm not rich yet, so so we'll see. <laughs> Got those things going, trying to make it work. Um, so I'm just going to stick with what I've been doing and and send my stuff back into companies that give me discounts for recycling my old stuff. Um, and y'all should do that too. So the last thing I wanted to mention about Syntex is that the guy I talked to suggested I go over to smartasn.org. Um, it's a website where I can learn a bunch of information about recycling different programs around the world, how some of it works. I was like, cool, great. Went to the site, seemed really like a wealth of information about recycling around the world. Coincidentally, here's that other coincidence I was talking about. Right after I looked this up, my same friend who sent me the story about Bifusion sent me an Instagram story about SMART. So it turns out SMART is an industry group of textiles and exporters of secondhand clothes in America, which there's definitely a negative side to this. So you might be familiar with the fact that America, I don't know what year this started happening, but America got into sending secondhand clothes to East Africa um, as like a donation, like, hey, we wanna help out, here's our old clothes. For people who need them. Um, seemed cool, I guess. Seemed like probably, maybe it was really helpful at one point. Maybe, you know, they really needed that and that was, it was helpful. But it, eventually East Africa was like, we want to ban this. It's not helpful. We don't need it. It's just kind of wasteful and not helping us at all. So East Africa and the United States have a trade agreement called AGOA, which allows them and the U.S. to import or export under special conditions that make it favorable and profitable. Hmm, there's that word, profitable. When East Africa was like, hey, we don't want your old stuff. We're, we're good. The American government was like, okay, that's fine. No problem. But SMART was like, hey, no, you can't do that. You can't not accept our stuff and they literally made threats because because money um east africa was like but we really don't want your old shirts and the u.s ended up being like no you gotta take it you don't get a choice the countries in east africa started dropping out of the ban because you know they couldn't really there wasn't a lot of choice they couldn't they couldn't do it the problem is caused not by the American government, but by greedy American businesses having literal control over industries in other countries. Um, you know, they, they have powerful lobbyists who fight for this and say, you know, they convince you that it's a really good program. It's really helpful. They're putting money first before anything. Um, I went back onto the SMART website to try to look a little closer and see what I could find there. 
um, I found their point of view, their side of the story for this, which was interesting, a little scary. Um, it was under advocacy and current issues. They have a page dedicated to talking about how unfortunate it has been that the Eastern African countries have been wanting to ban the import of secondhand clothing and how they valiantly jumped to attention, engaging American politicians to help them out. They have leverage with these countries, which is totally great news. This is sarcasm. It is not great news. It's just super wild. This story can be told in such glaringly opposite manners. Um, one side, there's you got the truth. And on the other hand, you got this like weird, greedy propaganda thing that's trying to pretend like it's advocacy. But really what's happening here, from my perspective, this is an extreme example of the white savior complex in action. Um, if you're not familiar with the white savior complex, it's a sarcastic or critical description of a white person who's depicted as liberating, rescuing, or uplifting non-white people. It is critical in the sense that it describes a pattern in which third world people are denied agency and are seen as passive recipients of white benevolence. So, I mean, honestly, it's perfect. Um, East Africa is a place with non-white people and white people from a country with more money and more power is like, hey, we're helping you, get over it. Just accept our help, whether you want it or not. And they're like, mm, cool, this sucks. It's pretty bad. So I'm curious what others think. Um, I think I'm going to be in this rabbit hole for a while. I'll probably revisit this on occasion. And once I, you know, when I find more information or learn more in-depth stuff about it, I'm honestly really surprised. I know there was going to be, I know there's corporate greed in clothing manufacturing. And, you know, we all know about China and sweatshops and all of those things. But man, just the amount of political bullshit and corporate greed was more than I expected and different than I expected. So in the future, I have some, some I, what I think are pretty interesting ideas going forward. Um, hopefully will be insightful to anybody that wants to learn about how to reduce their own personal waste output, but isn't sure where to start. I'm going to do a difficult challenge. Um, I'm going to try to severely reduce my garbage footprint. I'm going to get familiar with with buying my groceries in bulk, with making things homemade instead of, like for example, granola bars, how to make them homemade instead of buying the ones that each individual one is in plastic, things like that. Uh, there's a store in town called The Pantry and they have, they have every, you know, they have a lot of stuff. They have food products, everything dried, lentils, beans, rice, spices, seasonings, um, lots of that kind of stuff. They also have like health and beauty products. I saw when I was in there looking around, I saw soap. Um, I think, I think shampoo and just a lot of different things. Also cleaning products. So you pretty much just like bring your containers and then you get what you need without having to have a, you know, a bag just to transport and then you throw it away. Um, 
I also, I was trying to figure out how am I going to eat bread? Like, will I just stop eating bread? No, I don't want to. <laughs> so there's someone around here who she bakes local, well, she's local. She bakes gluten-free sourdough bread. Um, and there's a subscription that you can sign up for. So I'm definitely going to do that um, and eat really freaking amazing gluten-free sourdough bread as my just regular bread. Um, it comes in a paper bag, so perfect for kindling. Um, and then, but some of the hard things, I think, especially if I'm on a road trip, is going to be planning ahead instead of buying a bag of chips and a pepperoni stick at the gas station. That's going to be a little rough. Um, I'm going to talk about all this stuff here. So I'll capture details, tips, struggles, suggestions. Um, if anyone else has ever done this, please, I would love to hear about it. I want to know like what, what it was like for you, what your favorite things were, um, how long you were able to do this for. I'm also going to talk about some, on another episode sometime, probably, probably soon, I'm going to do some fast fashion, slow fashion, circular fashion information, um, highlight some cool brands and clothing companies, talk about kind of what they're doing to solve this problem. Um, yeah. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And again, please like share any ideas or suggestions or like, like, you, something you want to hear more about, something you want to learn about that I haven't talked about. Um, or if you want to share a story or something insightful, that would be so awesome. Please tell me. And that about wraps it up for this week. Um, I, I'll be back, I promise. I'm not going to quit, even though it's a little tempting because this is, it's still a little scary, but I like it. So thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me and keep being a dumpster rebel. <laughs>